So again, welcome to RUF. I'm Sammy. I'm the campus minister. And um, we are starting a new series this fall, or I mean this spring, uh, through Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. Uh, This is one I've always wanted to do, and so I'm kind of excited about it. And uh, basically what we're doing is, the longer I've been in campus ministry, the more I'm convinced, like, we live in a world that is, for, for a lot of us who are black and white people, far grayer than we would like it to be. And if we're ever going to learn how to live and follow Jesus skillfully, if we're ever going to learn how to live and follow Jesus well, we're going to need this thing that the Bible calls wisdom. It's, it's less black and white. Like we could, The Bible has a lot of black and white for us, things we should and shouldn't do. But when we begin to talk about wisdom, we're, we're entering into the category of when you should do something, how you should do something, why you should do something. And I think for you as a college student, it, this is the pressing issue. When we talk about who do you date, who should you marry? What should you major in? Should you get a job and do school? How many hours should you take? Who should you room with? As soon as we ask any of those most pressing questions, we're entering into the category that the Bible calls wisdom. Um, this came home to me just this, a couple weeks ago, or I guess a week ago. I did a wedding in Myrtle Beach, and some of you were there. We had some time to kill in between the wedding ceremony and the reception, and we went to this little kind of like pub thing in downtown Myrtle Beach, and we were just kind of talking, and somehow we got in this conversation about dating, and it was like one of the most fascinating conversations I ever had with students, because basically, I don't know exactly how we got here, but we started basically talking about, okay, how do you, for the guys, it was guys and girls, guys, how do you ask a girl out? Do you use the word date? If you do use the word date, why or why not? And then you can feel the room getting uncomfortable, and then you can feel the girls getting angry because they're like, yeah, you should use the word date. And here's why you should use the word date. And, uh, you know, so then the question for some of the girls was, well, how soon can you do the DTR? Like, is how many dates sh- should there should happen before you can begin to define the relationship? Uh, how do you know? Would you have a policy? This is one of my, like, I had an intern one time who had a policy that she would go out one time with any guy that asked her. And so I was like, do you have a policy for a guy who asks you out that you really kind of don't think you want to go out with? Do you have a policy for that? So we entered in this really fascinating conversation, but what was fascinating to me is that whole conversation, it's not like we could have opened the Bible and said, okay, here's exactly what Jesus says about dating. He spells it out for us. Girls, here's what you do when a guy asks you out that you don't really want to go out with. Guys, here's what you do. Like, you should use, you know, he doesn't spell it out for us. And instead, he invites us through Proverbs into this thing called wisdom. How do you know how and why and when and where you should do anything? And I'm telling you, this is so important because this is where life, I promise you, as you get older, life only gets more complex. And college really is this place, Carolina is this place where if you are humble enough, if you can ask the Lord for humility, you can begin on this journey the Lord calls wisdom. But for a lot of us, we get proud, we stay black and white and things that we refuse this category of wisdom in our lives are a mess. So I'm going to read for us Proverbs, two Proverbs tonight. The way we're going to break down this book is we're, Proverbs isn't like a normal book of scripture. It really is wisdom poetry. So we're going to be gathering themes along lots of different verses, but tonight we just have two 
And you're there in your handout. I'm going to read them for us. The first is from Proverbs 1. Here's where the book opens. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction and in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then Proverbs 8, 10 through 12, this is wisdom personified, and she says, take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to kind of dive into what I want to talk about tonight as we kind of think about, begin to think about wisdom. Let's, let me pray first. Lord, you, you tell us in your word that you love when we come and ask you for wisdom, and I pray that you would um, bless us tonight with your wisdom, that you would give us, even as we sang earlier, eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, would you forgive us for the places, even right now, where we are being um, foolish for the ways that we are rebelling in quiet or loud ways. And Lord, would you bring your wisdom to bear, especially the wisdom of the gospel, in and in us, in this room, together tonight. We pray these things in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Yeah, so... Where we live, who should I date, what should I major in, should I get a job, who should I room with, we're talking about wisdom. And really what I want to do tonight is kind of three things as we think about wisdom. And it's pretty simple. We're going to do first why we need wisdom. Second, we're going to do what wisdom is. And then lastly, where we find it. So first, why we need it. Second, what it is, what are we talking about. And then lastly, where we find it. So think with me first about why we need it. And this is what I kind of open with. When you think about it, when you stop to think about it, so much of life is not black and white. It is not clear. There's tons of gray. And for some of us, we kind of love that. I mean, so if you're kind of a conservative, you find yourself in the conservative scale of things, you're a black and white person, you love black and white, and you want to treat the the whole world like Job's counselors. Everything is black and white. You do this, and life will be okay. Do this, and God will bless you. And that's the sort of bent that you, your mind and heart goes to. If you're more liberal, you, go, you love the gray. The gray is where it's at. Who's to, t- who's to say? Who's to say what's right? Who's to say what's black and white? Shouldn't we all just kind of figure it out for ourselves? And the book of Proverbs comes, Jesus comes to the book of Proverbs and basically says, you're both being foolish in different ways. Life is not as simple as those of us with a conservative worldview would like to think. And life is more simple and there's a creator behind this, this there, there's a reality, a, a truth and a reality that we're all bound to for those of us who have a more liberal view of things. But when we begin to think about why we need it so much, it's because it's where life is lived. It's the practical place that you, like even tonight, what time should you go to bed? What time should you wake up? Those are questions of wisdom, all of life, so much of life is here. Who should you marry? Who should you date? Uh, I was thinking about this. My, my junior year, I lived in a dorm, and my roommate, we had this one friend who, he was like a guy who was, he was like the coolest 40-year-old wrapped into a eight, like a 20-year-old's body at the time. And he was just like this guy that was way wise beyond his years. And my roommate and I both kind of struggled with structuring our time and, and kind of figuring how to do college in, a, in a, an efficient and like good way. 
And so my roommate basically said, we were hanging out with our friend, and he said, I want you for a week to just make all of my decisions for me. And my friend was like, <laughs> he loved to kind of do that. So he's like, my 40-year-old trapped in a 20-year-old body friend was like, I would love to do that for you. And so my roommate literally for a week let our mature friend make all his decisions. And I think about that a lot because I think about why did he want that? Part of what he was saying was he knew, if we, if we were to kind of scale it down and boil it down, what he was saying was, I don't have the wisdom I need to live my life in a, in a good and pleasing and satisfying way. I need wisdom. I need someone, I need direction. I need guidance. And if you're being honest with yourself, part of what, what kind of makes college for so many of us first fun is that voice in your life, in your lives, particularly your parents, you know, that, that authority that was kind of peering over your shoulder and kind of telling you what you should and shouldn't do. And then maybe for some of you it was teachers and coaches. I went to a really small private school. We had a lot of kind of authorities that were pretty close to our lives and loved kind of to peer over your shoulder and help you think things out. And for some of you, you go to college, you're like, I love being free of that. That feels so good to be free of that. I love not having to answer you know, to my mom and dad tonight when I get home. I love not having to face that teacher who kind of knew me well, maybe, maybe too well and didn't handle some things rightly. The part of us loves throwing off some of that authority. But then when you get honest, sometimes, for some of us, we've struggled to find the way of wisdom. We've, we've missed the guidance. We've missed uh, what Josh Radner uh, the How I Met Your Mother guy says, and you know, when, he, when he comes to think about this, he says, the dirty little secret about being an adult is that no one feels like an adult. And I can say this to someone who's, someone who's 35, we 36 this summer, yes. There's a sense in which, do you, if you're being honest with yourself, you know, you know, you don't, have, you don't have the wisdom that you need to live your life in a way that it needs to be lived. And you, you need and I need wisdom. And I think, again, Jesus tonight invites us to this place to say, do you realize that about yourself? Another way of saying it is, do you realize that you actually have been foolish? And for some of you, you're like, yes, it's obvious that I've been foolish. And for some of you, you're like, I don't really see myself that way. And what Proverbs is inviting you to is it's saying you need wisdom way more than you think you do. You need wisdom. You don't have enough wisdom in your life to live it the way that it needs to be lived. You need wisdom. And that's why Proverbs 8 says, this is why wisdom is is worth more than all the money in the world. This is why wisdom is worth more than all the power in the world. Because you can have all the money in the world and all the power in the world, and if you have no wisdom, you're going to ruin and destroy yourself and others. You have to have, we have to have wisdom. But what exactly is it? So if we're convinced that we need it, what, what are even are we talking about? And this is where, as we kind of set up this series, I want to just give some simple, I think, as simple and complex as I can, understanding what wisdom is. And the first thing you need to understand is you don't know what it is. The first thing you need to understand is you really don't know it. Really, we could back it up and say you don't know, and I don't know what to do with the book of Proverbs. Like, typically the way, I don't know if you had this experience when you graduated, but I graduated in a very Christian kind of school and community and got a ton of those little gift, scripture gift books. And back in the day, like, I don't know if they still do this. I'd be fascinated, but you could tell me. But back in that day, there were topics, and you would, like, go to the topic you know, find six verses about anxiety or find six verses about lust or find six verses about greed. And kind of that's, that was the way that if you're like me, you were taught to read the Bible. And really, if we're being honest, what we do is we go to the Bible to glean from it and fit it back into the way we see the world. And part of what wisdom and Proverbs is doing is inviting us to say, that's not how the Lord intends the Bible to be to us. 
first of all, we could say Proverbs is different than Romans. They're doing different things. But part of what God invites you to in Scripture is to begin thinking his thoughts after him, shaping your view of the world to be more in line with his view of the world. And part of what he's saying is, do you understand that there's this deep thing called wisdom? That if we were to read there are the parts from Proverbs that says, the Lord says, wisdom was with me when I created the world. Wisdom was there. There's a deep reality behind this world that we live in. There's deep truth. There is deep knowing. And this is what Proverbs is inviting us to, is to see the truth behind the surface. Uh, the way I think about it is, you know, if you think about the difference between wisdom and cynicism, that's a, that's a distinction we're going to make a lot. Cynicism is what? Cynicism is saying, I see through everything. I see through it. I see what you're doing. I see why you're doing it. And, where I'm, and it's never a positive thing. It's always a very, you know, you're selfish. You're, you know, it's a dark thing. Wisdom is almost the antidote to cynicism because it's saying, I'm not seeing through everything, but I am seeing the point. I'm seeing the truth behind the surface of things. I'll put it another way. I love the way Tim Keller puts it, and a lot of this is so shaped by his thoughts. But uh, one of the things he says, and here's how he just puts it in a nutshell. Wisdom is seeing how things really are, how things really work, and what to do about it. Wisdom is seeing how things really work, how things really are, and what to do about it. In other words, we're getting to the reality behind things. Why should you do that? How should you do that? What's the reality behind what we're talking about? The, the thing about this, uh, my wife and I are Sherlock fans. I don't know if you've watched the new Sherlock. I don't know if you, we've just watched the most recent one, The Bobbin Old Bride, which was pretty fantastic. Uh, brings out our inner nerds in a really beautiful way. And when you think about when Sherlock Holmes walks into, so let's say, like, when you and I walk into a messy room, <laughs> we see a messy room, right? When we see all kinds of disheveled things. And we would, all we would really notice for most of us is this is a really messy room. When Sherlock Holmes walks into a messy room, he sees the messy room, but he also sees what? He sees clues. He sees interesting facts and details about this objects within the room that are making sense of why the room is messy. And wisdom is kind of like that. That's a little bit of a glimpse of wisdom as you're seeing clues of the deep reality behind this world that we live in. I was thinking a lot about, about this because I think, you know, my wife went to this uh, school meeting tonight where our kids, our older kids are getting laptops. And my kids, you know, the oldest is 10 and youngest is four, but almost all of my kids, maybe except for my youngest, love to get our phones and do Siri. And they just ask Siri anything and everything. Siri, show us humpback whales. Siri, you know, like when I was a kid, like literally to look at humpback whales, I had an encyclopedia set that my mom talked me into buying for my big birthday gift in my ninth year, which is looking back on that, that's some form of abuse. And so, you know, I would have to find H, I guess H through J, and like pray that there was an entry for humpback whales. I mean, y'all probably can't relate to this. This is my life. This is what it feels like to be old. And like just, and it was this time the same thing. My kids, in a matter of thirty seconds, can ask Siri for humpback whales and find all kinds of stuff. And we live in this, you know, some people call it the, sort of the Google information age. And we have tons of knowledge. Literally, y- y'all and my kids, my kids' generation will be the. There will there will never be a time where there is so much knowledge, literally, at the tip, just at, in their hands. 
in the entire world, in the entire history of the universe. And yet, there's so little wisdom. So much knowledge. No one knows more. I mean, you're, you're a freshman. If you're a freshman, you're a class at USC. No one has more access to knowledge than, you, than you've had in the entire history of the University of South Carolina. And yet, there's a huge difference between knowledge and wisdom, right? Knowledge is you kind of know some things, but wisdom is the art of skillful living. You know how to apply the things that you know. You know how to carry them. You know how to hold them with balance and weight. You know what to treat with weight. You know what to treat lightly. You, there's a sense in which, you know, wisdom is this category that brings us into the art of skillful living. This is why the Lord so heartily recommended, if you've read much of Scripture. Remember Solomon, that weird story from his life? You were sort of always shamed, like if you were in Sunday school, you were always shamed by this story because it was like, Solomon could ask God for anything. Guess what he asked him for? It wasn't a new car. It was wisdom. And you're kind of like, you know, that's when we started. That's when a lot of us started faking it. We're like, yes, I'm going to become the youth group kind of person that I need to become so that I impress the adults who are shaming me with these scripture stories. There's a sense in which the Lord heartily recommends that because Solomon is in this moment of Holy Spirit-led humility asking for the thing that is worth far more than anything. He could have asked for money. He could have said, I want to set my family up for generation upon generation. We're going to be rich. And he was rich. But we're going to make sure the foundation is rich. He could have said, I want to be so in power and so ruling over all the kingdoms of the earth that my family is set up in power for the rest of our lives. And and instead, he does. He asks the Lord for wisdom. And there's a sense in which, because he knew what we've already said. You can have all the money in the world. You could have all the power in the world. You could have all the beauty in the world. You could have all the success in the world. And if you don't have wisdom, it's going to ruin you. It's going to kill you. Um, I was thinking about this like recently. My wife and I, if, we're, if I'm being honest, candid moment, we've never lived in a budget. We've been married 12 years. We are a nightmare when it comes to, like, if you want to know how to spend money, come watch my wife and I and don't do what we do, basically. <laughs> So we got convicted basically because we, we had some money this year that we really just blew through for fun, fun things, barbecues, you know, uh, road trips. We're impulsive people. But we decided through a moment of conviction we really do need to do this budget thing if we're going to be, like, following Jesus, which is kind of important. Like, part of Jesus talks a lot about money and greed, and I think we're kind of, we don't talk about that a lot in our culture or in our Christian culture, but we probably should because we're not talking about it. So we decided we need this, this budget. And what's really come home to me is, is my wife and I are great at saying, our problem is I'm in ministry. And I don't make much money. And if we just made more money, then we'd be fine. And then we made more money, and we weren't fun. And we were forced into the crucible of realizing, oh, we're the problem here in this scenario. The problem isn't the money that we have and make. The problem is we, we're fools. The problem is not that we didn't have enough money. The problem was we didn't have enough wisdom. We didn't have enough wisdom. We've been living foolishly. And only, you know, you can pray for us, like only recently have we begun to really wrestle with Jesus about that. And here's what I want to say to you. You don't have a time problem you don't know how to order and structure your time in a self-controlled way. You have a wisdom problem. You don't have a, a friend problem. You don't know how to make friends or even begin to be a good friend. You have a wisdom problem. 
And what we're going to do for the next several weeks is unpack wisdom as it relates to some of these categories for us that Proverbs unpacks for us. Because all of us, we're being honest, is we have a, a wisdom problem. And if we're being honest, too, is we didn't, a lot of us didn't grow up. A lot of us grew up with parents who were fools. A lot of us grew up without mentors and teachers who were wise and good and taught us the wisdom of Scripture. So for some of us, we don't even know where to begin. So that's the last thing I want to say is where do we begin? Where do we get this wisdom we so desperately need? And this is where Proverbs 1 and 8 get really interesting. They look at two different things. They give us two different things when we begin to ask the question, where is wisdom found? The first one is so fascinating. It's in, 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 in chapter 1, verse 7. You probably heard this, you know, if you grew up in the church a lot, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And a lot of us don't know what to do with that. Because the, the greatest, the, the command that shows up the most in Scripture, on the lips of angels, on the lips of Jesus himself, is what? Do not fear. So how in the world are we supposed to fear the Lord and yet not fear? And there's a real sense that we don't understand what it means to fear. Fear, the birthplace of wisdom, Proverbs is saying, is what the fear of the Lord is, which is what we could simply call affectionate reverence, giving weight. And really what Proverbs 1 is saying, giving weight to the one who made you, who made this world, who understands the very fabric of his creation far more than you or I, giving affectionate reverence to him. Uh, And I think about my kids a lot. I think about how, you know, when I think about my kids, what I want from them, there's a sense in which I want them to fear me. And what I mean by that is I don't, I don't mean when I walk into our room, I want them cowering in the corner, like wetting themselves because dad walked into the room. That's not what I want. I mean, it's, it's not. But what I do want is for my kids to believe and respect that I love them, that I care for them, and that I know more than them. I have this conversation with two of my kids all the time. And I'll have to stop and say, who do you think knows more? You or dad? And most of the time they say me. And then I want to hurt them. And I don't hurt them. <laughs> Forget. Let's move on. <laughs> so, but there's a sense in which, here's, here's the point. With the, begin, the birthplace of wisdom is right relationship with the Lord. It's right relationship, submissive, bringing your heart to the Lord in, in affectionate reverence. And this is the second part, and this is where Proverbs 8 is interesting, is Proverbs 8 in this, you know, it, we, it's a poetic device, right, when, it, when wisdom is personified. Like, there are a lot of places in Proverbs where wisdom becomes a person who suddenly speaks. But it's more than poetic device. If you were to flip right now to Colossians, Paul says, he calls Jesus, he says, Christ, our wisdom. There's a real sense to understand and unlock the key of wisdom. You have to understand that wisdom isn't just a principle. It's a person. And his name is Jesus. And so when Proverbs says, wisdom was with me in the beginning, we flip to John 1 and we see the word was with God in the beginning. And there's a sense in which what Proverbs is saying is Jesus doesn't just have wisdom for us. He is wisdom for us. And what, here's, this, is a, this is a deep and yet powerful thought. If we were thinking about Socrates, some of your philosophy people, Socrates came and he wanted to impart wisdom, right? Socrates, Plato, pick your, pick your favorite philosopher, even Kierkegaard. The goal was to learn, grow, and impart wisdom. And Jesus isn't less than that. If you're here and you're not sure what to make of Jesus, 
you know, you, your life really would be changed if you simply said, I don't really know what I think about the resurrection, but I'm going to take his words seriously and try to live by them. You would become a much wiser person. But if you stop there, you would miss Jesus and the whole point. Because Jesus, according to Paul in Colossians, is our wisdom, which means he didn't come to simply say, let me impart some wisdom to you. He came and said, let me actually die the death of fools. Let me actually go to the cross as a fool, someone who was literally, as he hung on the cross, stripped naked, bloody crying, dying this lowly death in the place of fools. Why? So that he might be wisdom to you. That he might begin not just to impart his wisdom, but actually be your wisdom as you get into right relationship with him. This is the thing you got to see. You want to become wise? There's a lot. You could go look up. You could go read 10 books on wisdom. That'd be great. Go read all the leadership books. Jim Collins wrote some great books. Go read all the leadership books. You'll grow in, in principal leadership, all that stuff. You want to really become wise? Get into a relationship with Jesus, who not only died the death for the foolish choices you've already made in your life and will make, but who begins to come alongside as what he says in Scripture, not as just a friend and a guide, but as someone who he says is a wonderful counselor, who, who is with you in wisdom and loves to give his wisdom to you. I'll close with this. I, this past week, we went to see, or my wife and I separately, we do this thing where we love to give uh, movies to each other in the sense of you go see a movie by yourself and I'll go see a movie by myself and it's like our happy place. And it's kind of sad because I recently read an Onion article that said it's this, <laughs> the title was Loser in the Movie Theater All by Himself. And a friend texted me that article today and I literally was in a movie by myself and it was pretty <laughs> hilarious. But I went to see The Big Short this past week and... Man, if you haven't seen it, it's worth going to see. It got real emotional for both of us because we actually have a house going to foreclosure, for being honest. Because we bought in the housing crisis 2006 and just got so upside down in it, everyone kind of advised us is what we needed to do. And so as I'm watching the film, it's very funny. It's really well done. It's a really smart film just about that crisis. But I'm, like, really emotionally, like, literally I'm in the film and, like, crying and, like, kind of mad at myself for crying, but then kind of, you know, just owning it. But here's the sad truth behind that movie is, you know, the basic premise is there are these outsiders in the finance world who saw it coming. And no one on Wall Street wanted to listen. No one. No one wanted, they didn't, none of, no one wanted to hear. They were making too much money to hear wisdom that said, this thing is going to break. And there's this one character played by Steve Carell who really, kind of a bulldog character, really in you know, really strong, angry ways, kept trying to say, this is coming, this is going to crash. And no one listened, and when it crashed, it's fascinating. He could have gone back to everyone and, like, shamed them, and instead he sort of sat in this kind of sadness of what we do to each other. And when I, when I kind of think about his character, I do, I think about Jesus, because here's Jesus, and there's a sense in which he watches us wreck our lives. Some of you have wrecked or begun to wreck your life. And instead of moving in shame toward you, he moves to you in such a way where he invites you to let him be wisdom and begin to be wisdom as you begin to get into a relationship with him and learn what it means to love and follow and serve and obey him. Let's pray for that for each other this whole semester. Let's pray. Jesus, we, uh, we pray that you, would, you are our wisdom if we belong to you. We pray that if we don't belong to you, you become our wisdom. Or we do admit, if we're being honest, we, we are fools and we are fools in different ways, but we long for you to teach us, to be our teacher this semester, starting tonight. Would you take your word and teach us, even as we leave from here, well into our weeks and weekends, and just root your word into our lives. We pray these things, Lord Christ, in your name. Amen.
What's the edge? 